0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Dan Gumby-Freeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonti. The UFC heads to Auckland, New Zealand this weekend for an absolute banger of a main event between Dan Hooker and Paul Felder. And of course, we will be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights on that card, plus an underdog you should take a look at and a parlay as part of our aptly named fights, dogs, and parlay segment, which will come a little bit later on the show, because as you guys know, we always kick off the show with two awesome interviews with fighters who will be fighting on the card. First this week, we'll be talking with Jalen Turner as he gets ready for his bout with Josh Kulabao, and then we'll be talking with Tyson Nam as he prepares for his absolute slugfest, or at least we hope it will be, with a hundred and twenty-five pound top ten fighter Kaikara France. So it is gonna be an exciting episode here, but before we get to any of that, I gotta remind you that this episode is brought to you by Battle Clan. Visit BattleClangear.com and use promo code TurtleUp10. That's T-U-R-T-L-E-U-P 10 for 10% off your whole order. Now I personally love Battle Clan Gear, not just because of the way it looks and feels, because it, it, it's absolutely top Notch gear, but also because of what they stand for. The company was started by two guys who could not be more different one from California, one from Brazil, different cultures, ideologies, desires in life. They're completely different, but the sport of MMA has brought them together. And if you train, you probably have felt that feeling before. You are a part of a family when you train, or a clan, you know what I mean? Uh, If you train with those people. So that's the premise behind Battle Clan gear. So, rep that. While repping your whole clan by visiting BattleClanGear.com. Make sure you use that promo code TURTLEUP10 and get 10% off. BattleClanGear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. <laughs> Dan Hugubbi-Breenland to with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jaylen Turner, who fights Joshua Kullabau at UFC in Auckland, New Zealand on February 22nd. So, Jaylen, obviously this is a short notice replacement. It's up against a local guy. What do you know about him in the short amount of time you've been able to study him?
1: Um, I know his uh, teammates with the opponent that I was originally supposed to fight. Uh, he's all around fighter, uh, decent on the ground. He'll you know, and bang, you know. He's uh, game, so uh, he's good to go wherever it goes. And,
0: and was it sort of a benefit of having him being a teammate of your original opponent, knowing that he's probably got a fairly similar style, it, it allow you to not have to make too many alterations to
1: your game plan? Uh, yeah, pretty much, you know. Um, he he has, like, he has a different style, but it's still a similar game plan for what I already planned on doing anyway.
0: And if you don't mind me asking, is there something in particular you are working on trying to implement here, uh, without obviously giving away your entire game plan?
1: Um, yeah, I've been working on a lot of stuff. You know, I've been working for for months. I've been working the last ten months trying to just get better, and uh, I just get to finally show it all. I can't really get too much detail on it. have gotta tune in at night and see how it goes. Totally respect that. Now, for, for
0: this is the actually second time you're going down under, so to speak. You went to Australia for UFC 234. Now you're going to New Zealand. Did you learn anything from the first time traveling all of that big distance? I mean, obviously, it is not a short trip for you.
1: Uh, you know, I, I learned that I like longer flights better than shorter flights. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, the acclimation wasn't too bad, you know. Uh, it, was, it was really easy for me to get adjusted to the time. Uh, I guess since I got kids and I'm waking up in the middle of the night anyway, so it's just easy for me to do. But, uh, yeah, I I just learned I like it out there. I like the environment out there. The people are amazing. The food's really good. And, you know, of course I didn't mind taking the trip again.
0: And and how about fighting in somebody's backyard? Because, you know, you mentioned this guy's a local guy. You know, last time you were fighting somebody who was also a local fan favorite. How, How do you feel about being the one going into hostile territory?
1: Um, I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all, you know. Um, especially after my last fight out there when I was, uh, when I fought Colin Potter, um, you know, I walked out, the crowd booed me. I was like, oh shoot, I'm not used to that. And then after I after I won the fight, everybody was cheering for me. So you know, it was, it was a great feeling. And,
0: and do you attribute that to just you know how polite people there are there, or is that some of you know your style is obviously very entertaining? I
1: I think they they love a good fight out there. and They can always respect a good fight and a good finish. yeah i think i i definitely got an entertaining style that's for
0: sure and and let's talk about too so you know your style obviously entertaining but you know you're also very successful at this point in time espn recently came out with a list uh their top 25 fighters under 25 years old Uh, you were listed on that list you were number 21 did you see the article and what are sort of your thoughts on you know that honor
1: um, you know, I, I really appreciate it. And I just feel like it's my time to start showing them like, yeah, I'm going to be a force to be reckoned with. You know, on my last outing, I had an injury and I had a baby on the way. So I just felt like I had to try to have some other personal family issues going on. So I feel like I need to fight for a check. But now, you know, I don't have any of those pressures. I don't feel like that at all. I just feel like I'm, I'm ready to just go showcase what I've been learning and what I've been working on. Um, but, yeah, top 25, 25. You know, I, I turned 25 this year. So I got to uh, start my year at a bag before I do hit 25.
0: And, and, you know, you mentioned the timing there. A lot of fighters feel rushed when they first get to the UFC. Do you feel that way at any point in time that the UFC has wanted you to be, you know, rush to a bigger fighter
1: than than you were ready for? Um, no, I, I don't feel like that. I just, the only thing I just dove in with the the Luke fight, but you know, I, I just played the cards I was built. I took that fight short notice and I went up a way class to do it. But you know, that's how badly I wanted to be in the UFC. Um you know, I feel like every fight after that was like was a good fight, like even matchups. It wasn't like, you know, like they're arresting me and jumping you know, jumping ship with me. Um yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm coming up right with the UFC. And, I'm, you know, I'm thankful for everything that they've done so far.
0: And, obviously, to make a bigger jump in this division, you're going to have to get through Joshua Cullabao in UFC in Auckland, New Zealand. So, give me a prediction. How do you see this one going down?
1: First round finish.
0: Any particular way or just first
1: round finish? Just first round finish. Whatever, he, whatever mistake he makes, I'm going to capitalize off of it. And it's going to be my night.
0: Alright, well you heard it here first, folks. Jalen Turner fights Joshua Kulobile at UFC in Auckland, New Zealand on February 22nd. Jalen, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you.
0: This is Daniel Gumby Freeman with Top Turtle MMA on Flowcombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Tyson Nam, who fights Kai Kara France at UFC in Auckland, New Zealand on February 22nd. So Tyson, let's start by talking about your UFC debut. Now, obviously, you mentioned to us on on the show when we had you on last time that you were ready to go in there and throw bombs against Pettis. You sort of thought he was going to do the same thing. Was there anything sort of surprising about the way that he approached that fight?
2: Uh, not at all. I mean, I knew that he was a a point fighter, which uh I um I got outpointed during the fight. I I thought I would get him to uh, engage a little bit more in more of a a street brawl, but I I guess I couldn't entice him uh, after a a couple of uh, punches that I threw. But, I mean, uh, it it was a good fight. It was a great fight. Um, I had a blast, and uh, I'm uh, ready to do it again in uh, less than two weeks. And and you said you couldn't goad him into that kind of fight. Do you think that
0: that is because you did land those shots early and he didn't want any of it?
2: I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, especially in the flyweight division, I feel like I'm the biggest puncher in the flyweight division. Um, I'll, I'll knock anybody out if I if I land anything on uh, barely clean. I'll, I'll knock I'll knock anybody out in the flyweight division. But I mean, I I feel like I, I tagged him a, a couple of times. I made his nose bleed, and uh, uh, he he went back to um, you know being a point fighter, which is which is always a smart thing to do if someone is, has a little bit more power than you. You know, you got to switch up your game, your uh, your your tactics, and uh, get try to edge, edge out a victory uh, with points.
0: Absolutely. And now I'm glad you said that, that you feel like you're one of the biggest power punchers in the division because you're up against a guy who, who I feel like has made similar claims about himself. You're fighting of France, who's who's shown he has knockout power. He showed on the Ultimate Fighter he had knockout power. Is it exciting to know that that's the stylistic matchup you're walking to in, in this fight?
2: So exciting. I feel like uh, I feel like it's going to be a playground fight to where, where – uh, both people think that uh, they're they're the better man, the bigger puncher, and and I mean he, he he brings a big right hand. I bring bring a big right hand, and we'll see whose uh, right hands bigger.
0: I love that idea right there because that makes for fight of the night type stuff. Now, obviously, this fight is also happening pretty much in his backyard, right? You're you're heading down to New Zealand, which is you know not a short travel for you. It is a short travel for him. What are your thoughts on fighting in somebody's backyard like that?
2: Um. This ain't my first rodeo, Dan. You know, I've, uh, I've gone over to Brazil. I've gone over to Russia, Kazakhstan. I mean, I'm a world traveler, and I've known to, uh, to, to spoil the crowd's uh, emotions uh, many, many times over. So it's not a new thing to me. Um, I actually enjoy going somewhere where uh, I, I don't have a lot of uh, family and friends. I feel like I'm going over there to conquer and take over.
0: I love that mentality. Now, you, you mentioned going over to Brazil and you mentioned going over to Russia. I'm assuming you're talking about the Eduardo Dantas fight, which at the time he's the Bellator champion, and, and you you went in there and pretty much put it all over him any way that you wanted to. Is that a mentality that you keep when you're you're fighting against you know people who are fighting in their hometown? You love playing that spoiler role. I,
2: I do. I, I you know when when I hear booze, I hear cheers. You know. Cause I mean, you know, eventually, uh, eventually they'll they'll learn to love me. I mean, it is a sport. Even though I'm going over there and I'm not their uh, their, you know, I'm going up against their hometown uh, hero. Uh, eventually, they 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 tend to like the way that I fight. You know, I come in there, I look to knock people's heads off. I'm not looking there uh, looking in there to score any points. And you know, that's what the the fans love to see. Is they they want to see someone's head get knocked off.
0: And and we love that, too, and and we love that mentality. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about the flyweight division before we move on, because the flyweight division is a weird thing right now. If you look on the UFC's website, uh, there is exactly 14 ranked fighters. There's no champion, to our knowledge, right, because Henry Cejudo has stepped down. What are sort of your thoughts on what the flyweight division looks like right now in the UFC and and how its health is?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, it's a very shallow division, but it is... A sh- it is a shallow division with all full of sharks. All full of sharks. The best in the world. So, it's never, uh, it's never, there's never an easy fight in the flyweight division in the UFC. Um, you know, there will be a, a champion crowned uh, fairly soon. I feel like I knocked both of those fools out. But, uh, you know, uh, I came up in here, uh, I beat uh, the top 10, top ten contenders in the world, in their own home country, and I feel like I'm. I, I've been a top ten contender for a long time, and I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm looking to make big waves and big splashes uh, in, in this next year.
0: And, and sort of that was my thought too. You know, being such a shallow division, do you feel like you're one or two fights away at all times, or do you feel like this is something that's going to take you a couple of years to build into?
2: I'm always one punch away, one punch, one kick, one strike away from putting someone's lights out. Doesn't matter if he's a champ or not.
0: All right. Well, I like that mentality. Now, before I let you go, I do have to ask you if you've got a prediction for me. When this goes down with Kai Kara France in Auckland, New Zealand, how do you see this one ending?
2: KO. Don't matter who it is, I want to see a KO.
0: All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Once again, this is Tyson Dam, who fights Kai Kara France at UFC in Auckland on February 22nd. Tyson, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it.
2: Thanks a lot, Dan. In those interviews
0: with Jalen Turner and Tyson Nam are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. By downloading their app, you are going to help yourself meet whatever it is your goals when it comes to martial arts training. So you download the app. You set up your profile with where you train and what types of martial arts you like to train and from there, you can log your training sessions. And the really cool thing about that is they give you updates about how often you're training, week to week, month to month, so that you can make sure you're making your your goals. And in addition to that, you can keep notes. So if you learn something that you really need to remember for next time, you can write that down. In It's all saved in an easy-to-access place on your Maroon Social profile. So make sure you download that and check it out. Now, once again, I'm Daniel gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonti. Dave, I know you're not a flyweight superfan by any means, but knowing that we've got two guys who just want to throw huge shots and have legit KO power, you got to be excited for this one, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm not the biggest flyweight fan in the world, but when you get two fighters like this that are just going to go for broke, throw it all on the line, really push the pace and push themselves, I'm into it.
0: Yeah, and, and I think there's a couple of people at flyweight who are like that, but, you know, it, it's sort of like Tyson said in there, too. When he faced Sergio Pettis, Pettis is more of a point fighter, and they're, they're, you're right, there is a couple of those at flyweight, which makes some of the fights a, a little bit less exciting, although definitely technical, but a little bit less exciting. But this one definitely should not be that. that this one should be a slobber
3: knocker. Yeah, and I, don't get me wrong. I am I mean, listen, they all push the pace. I mean, they're flyweight, so they got gas tanks for days. But, yes, a lot of them turn into – to point fighters and, you know, and this is statistically proven, the finishing rate is lower at flyweight, and that just kind of takes away a little something from me. But I'll tell you what we're not taking away from. We're putting some work into. It's our favorite segment on the show, fights, dogs, parlays. We're breaking down a few fights from this weekend's show at UC Auckland. We're going to give you a couple of dogs you might want to bet on, and we'll give you a parlay to play. But Gumby, before we get into it, does any fine company sponsor this week's edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays?
0: Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Battle Clan. Go to BattleClanGear.com. Make sure to use promo code TURTLEUP10. That's T-U-R-T-L-E-U-P-1-0. And get 10% off your whole order at BattleClanGear.com. They've got some awesome rash guards, t-shirts, hoodies, whatever you are into. Check them out. BattleClanGear.com.
3: All right, so we're going to start with the main event as we normally do, and i got to tell you, I am pretty pumped up for this fight. Very uh, close odds here. Dan Hooker, the minus 140 favorite, and Hooker has really fast become one of my favorite fighters, um, and he's facing off against Paul Felder, the announcer, but also sometimes fighter, who is obviously one of the best strikers in the game. Uh, and I have to say, this is one of those fights, Hooker versus Felder is, uh, that feels like it would be a great third from the top on a pay-per-view that gets you really you know you got your nice co-main event maybe two title fights but then you always have that extra fight on the pay-per-view that you're super excited for that the hardcore mma nerd is excited for and that's a dan hooker versus a paul felder but on its own main eventing a weekend show uh on like an espn plus Plus. It's perfect. I'm really excited for this fight, and the line shows it's a close fight. Dan Hooker, the minus 140 favorite. Paul Felder, the plus 120 dog. Let's talk about both fighters coming into it. Dan Hooker is on a two-fight win streak after losing to Edson Barbosa via TKO. He came back with a big KO over James Vick and then took a de- unanimous decision victory over Al Akinta. Big name for him, his biggest name uh, to date. Felder, on the other hand, is also on a two-fight win streak. Uh, He took a split decision win over Edson Barbosa and took a unanimous decision win over James Vick. So they have common opponents there. Uh, His last loss was against Mike Perry back in July of 2018. So two and one in his last three is Paul Felder and Hooker the same two and one in his last three. Who you got?
0: I'm landing Dan Hooker on this one, and it's a hard one to gauge too, because both of them with legitimate striking power, where they can knock people out at any time, and neither with really a track record of being taken out with big shots, right? Like, I mean, Dan Hooker's got the TKO loss to Edson Barboza, but it was after taking 750 shots to the to the gut, you know, like to body shots. Apart from that, he hasn't been stopped in in years and it was a submission when he did. And then you look at, you know, Paul Felder, he's been stopped by cuts and things like that. But do you ever remember seeing Paul Felder get like knocked out, knocked out? No, I I can't recall it. And, and, you know, maybe it happened way long ago and I'm just forgetting about it. But like, you know, there are two guys who don't get knocked out like that very often. Um, and for me, if I I saw one of them getting knocked out like that, I could see Paul Felder more likely getting knocked out like that, but then Dan Hooker, because Dan Hooker has crazy KO power. You know, like you know, you, you mentioned that he KO'd James Vick, so did a stiff breeze recently. But like, he's also knocked out Gilbert Burns, who is like going on a crazy run at welterweight. You know, he knocked out Jim Miller, who's, you know, to steal a line from Jim Ross as tough as a $2 stake. You know, like he, he's knocked out some really impressive guys during this, this big, long run. So, I, I like his chances to do it. And if he is going to go the distance, too, on this fight, uh, again, I, I kind of favor Dan Hooker on that one. You know, he went the distance with Ally and and looked good even in the third round. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Dan Hooker. I'm not super confident about it, though.
3: Yeah, I... I agree for you word for word. I'm going with Hooker, not super confident about it. And while Felder, of course, can piece someone up with a couple of combos, I, I give the edge to Hooker just based on the power. But this one also feels to me, I mean, you know, the two extra rounds make this tough to say, but I could also see this going to the judges scorecard where whichever fighter pressed the action more, um, you know, wins three rounds to two. But it feels like one of those razor-close fights. We'll move on, then. Uh, God, the battle of one tough name to pronounce versus Jimmy Crute. We have Jimmy Crute, the plus-120, Dog to Michael Olashajuk. How did I do, Gumby? <laughs> o-
0: Olashajuk. Just the emphasis was wrong. But apart from that, you did well.
3: <laughs> okay, I'll take it if just the emphasis was wrong. Uh, who is the minus 140 favorite. Olashajuk is coming off a loss to Ovin St. Preux via Von Fluchuk. Where have I heard that before? But before that, uh, he had beaten uh, Antigolov and Volanti, both via KO. Um, he had a unanimous decision win over Khalil Roundtree, but it was overturned after he tested positive for some bad supplements. So he's really 2-1 uh, one, and one no contest in the UFC, but you might want to say he's 3-1 depending on your stance on uh, steroids and supplements of the like. Jimmy Crute's coming off a loss to Misha Sirkinov via Peruvian necktie. That was badass, but he beat Sam Elvey via TKO Don't see that very often and beat Paul Craig with a Kimura before that. And if you want to peel it back even one further on Dana White's contender series, he beat Chris Bershear via TKO. So if you count Dana White's contender series as the UFC, he's three and one in the UFC. Who are you taking?
0: I think I'm going to lead Jimmy Crude on this one. For me, Ola Shajak is a guy who has gotten by on being fairly athletic. You know, he's a big, tall guy. Um, but at the same time, he looked like he sort of got it outsmarted by another athletic guy in Ovin St. Preux. And here he is fighting Jimmy Crew, who, you know, has shown that he has some weaknesses in his recent loss to Misha Serkinov. But at the same time, I, I think a lot of the things that apply to Ovin St. Pru's profile also apply to, to Jimmy Crew, right? Like he's good on the top. He's got good submission skills. They're both hyper-athletic guys and... and they're the type of people who, if you make a mistake, they're going to punish you for it. And all of made multiple mistakes in trying to grapple with Ovin St. Pru and how to defensively grapple against Ovin St. Pru and, and OSP only let him make one of them, which makes sense because that's how OSP does it. But like, Jimmy Crute also does a very similar thing. Jimmy Crute's top game is arguably more suffocating and definitely more dangerous. So, like, for that reason, you know, I'm, I'm leaning with the underdog here. And crew uh, again, one I'm not totally confident on because both have showed weaknesses in their games. Both are coming off of losses. It's like heavyweight, so who the hell knows anyway. Uh, but gun to my head, I'm taking Jimmy crew here.
3: All right. I have nothing uh, further that I could disagree with you on. I like the play of Jimmy Crute. I'm a big Jimmy Crute guy. I'm a Crute fan. Let's move on. Um, and we will go now to the women's side of things. And we have Jan Shonan, a minus 250 favorite over a very familiar name to a lot of people, Carolina Kowalkiewicz, betting off at a plus 210 dog down in New Zealand. Uh, Kowalkiewicz, of course, is on a three-fight losing streak, which is crazy to say. After beating Felice Herrig back in April of 2018, she is on a three-fight losing streak, losing to Jessica Andrade via KO, Michelle Watterson via decision, and uh, Alexa Grasso via decision back in June of 2019. So Carolina Kowalkiewicz looking to get back on the winning side. Um, Shonan, however, is on a four-fight win streak, uh, wins over Caitlin Curran, uh, Viviana Pereira, kondo and angela hill coming off that angela hill unanimous decision win back in june of 2019 herself um so 4-0 in the ufc looking very impressive here who are you take uh, i'm
0: taking jan shonan i i actually think that she is probably the most underrated name at 115 pounds right now like you said she's 4-0 why haven't we heard her name more often and why don't we see her in the top 15 it's kind of crazy to think about but at the same time you know like the, the reason I like her in this fight is because she's just an absolute output monster. You know, like, if, if you look at, you know, Karolina Kovalkiewicz's numbers, who's a person who has been, you know, noted for how often she strikes and, and how frequently she's striking, she throws about five and a half strikes per minute or lands about five and a half strikes per minute. And that is almost one and a half lower than Jan Shonan, who, who lands almost seven strikes per minute. She just absolutely is throwing all the time. She landed 150 strikes in a fight recently. Like, that is an absolute crazy output. And she's really good at controlling the cage. She doesn't concede a lot of takedowns. She stuffs a ton of things. And it's not like Karolina Kolodkiewicz is going to threaten her with takedowns. Her takedown offense is pretty miserable. So that means she's going to have to stand with her. She's going to have to outpoint her. And I just don't see it happening here.
3: Well, I'll tell you what I see happening, and that's us taking a dog this week in Loma Lugbunme over Angela Hill. Uh, so Loma Lugbunme over Angela Hill bets off at a plus 170. Why do you like Loma here as the dog?
0: I like Loma Lugume, uh, which, by the way, you, you got that name right. That That is a tricky one, too. Uh, I like her as an underdog here. I wrote her off during her debut, which she took on short notice because She's small for the division. Even though it's she's at the 115-pound division, she's fought at 105 pounds for other organizations. So, like, I wrote her off as somebody who might be too small, and then she showed up in that first fight, and she looked like an absolute killer in that fight. You know, like, she pushed around Hannah Goldie. She threw knees to the body. Her Muay Thai clinch is probably unmatched at 115 pounds. Now, that's not saying she's going to be the 115-pound champ, but the fact that her clinch is so good means to me that she's a nightmare opponent for Angela Hill. Angela Hill does her best work pushing somebody against the cage, working the clinch, sometimes working to the ground, but sometimes just softening people up and tiring them out. She does not have a big weight cut coming, which means she's not going to be extra tired. She doesn't have a long plane ride. She's not taking this fight on short notice, and she's phenomenal in the clinch. That's like a recipe for disaster against Angela Hill, who is taking this Uh, fight on short notice so as a result i really like her especially at plus 170
3: well i'll tell you what i really like it's our parlay this week it's jake matthews at minus 240 play him together with the aforementioned yan shonan at minus 250 now it only equates to getting plus 100 but you're going to get two very solid favorites here at plus 100 odds, break it down.
0: So we already talked about why I like Sharnan so much. is because, you know, Carolina Kovalevich is on an absolute skid right now and isn't looking very good, and she's up against somebody with great output. Jake Matthews, to me, here is a slam dunk. He's fighting somebody in Emil Weber Meek who has shown in the past that his weakest part of his game is his takedown offense – or his takedown defense, rather. So, I mean, like, he's a guy who has trouble against the takedown constantly – And now he hasn't fought for almost two years. You know, he's taken almost two years off to heal up. Do you really think his, like, takedown defense has gotten better in those two years? No, probably not. He's healing up. And now they place him in a match where, you know, Jake Matthews essentially fighting at home, the Australian in New Zealand. And he's a crazy good grappler. So, like, you put him against his weakness coming on two years off. And, you know, not not to draw anything into this, too. There were some videos posted recently of Emil Weber Meek working with Diego Sanchez's trainer and take that for what you will but for me that's an automatic check mark on the, the the Jake Matthews side so pair those things together the fact that he's been off two weeks the fact that he's does you know pretty brutally against grapplers and you know the Diego Sanchez connection here and I'm all over Jake Matthews and, and to pair those two together and get you know even money that that's crazy for me.
3: Boom. I love it. Justifying bets based on what trainer they work with. I totally can get behind that. We all know Diego Sanchez's trainer is a bit of a nightmare, but that's another story for another day. I'll tell you what's not another story for another day. And that's our Twitter feed at top turtle MMA. Follow us there, and uh, during the show we'll, of course, be tweeting and give us some feedback on our fights, dogs, and parlays. Did we do you right? Did we do you dirty? We're pretty good at what we do. We don't like to brag about it often. Sometimes we just have to to be our own agent, but hopefully we led you right uh, and you'll make a little money off of the gambling advice we're dishing out. And if you didn't, well, fuck you, but let us know. uh, At Top Turtle MMA Gumby, why don't you wrap things up, do a little house cleaning, and uh, get us out of here.
0: And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social. Make sure to download the Maroon Social app and Battle Clan Gear. Go to battleclangear.com. Make sure you use promo code TURTLEUP10 for 10% off. We also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week because we couldn't do what we do without a nice place to get in your ears like Flow Combat. And we want to remind you guys to check out our Twitter at MMA. We got all kinds of awesome giveaways going on there all the time, so make sure to check that out and do not miss a single one. I'm Daniel Gumby-Vreeland.
1: He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will see you next week.